Welcome to Cisco Champion Radio. Today we'll be talking about SD-WAN and Overlay Management Protocol, or OMP. Our Cisco SME is David Klebanov. Our Cisco Champion hosts today are David Penaloza and Darren Fulwell. As for me, I'm Brett Shore from the Cisco Champion Program Team, and I'll be playing the part of moderator. David Klebanov, can you introduce yourself and tell us what you do at Cisco? All right, well thank you very much for uh, hosting me here. Uh, so David Klebanov, um, I used to work for Cisco before, uh, then back in 2015, I left Cisco, I went to work for Viptela. Um, I was running technical marketing for Viptela for about two and a half years. And now I'm back in Cisco, so I'm, uh, I manage a team of uh, technical marketing engineers uh, in the enterprise networking business unit. And uh, our focus is the SD-WAN technology, the adoption of the technology, um, the enablement for the technology, educating everybody, customers, field, about Cisco SD-WAN powered by Viptela. That's great, thank you. Now Darren, can you do the same? Introduce yourself and let us know who you are. Hi, oh, yeah, I'm uh, Darren Fulwell. I'm a network architect. Work for a uh, reseller in the UK. Um, I'm just going through the process really of looking at our first proofs of concept for, for Viptela. So I'm really interested to hear what you've got to say today. So. And I just called it called the product Viptela, and I realized that's <laughs> so, so I should be called talking about Cisco SD-WAN powered by Viptela, is that? Yeah, it's a little bit, uh, I know we, we all kind of, uh, you know, intermix different things. And yes, the Cisco branding tries to say that don't use the word Viptela, but official name for, the, uh, for Cisco's SD-WAN products is that because Cisco has two SD-WAN products. So the official names are the Cisco SD-WAN powered by Viptela, and the other one is Cisco SD-WAN powered by Meraki. Got it, that makes sense. Now, David Penaloza, if you can introduce yourself, tell us who you are and what you do. Oh, well, um, my name is David Penaloza. I work as a network consulting engineer for Verizon Enterprise Solutions in Czech Republic. And I provide consulting services and uh, uh, supporting our customer and also uh, collaborating in the design of, uh, well, actually, SD-WAN solutions. <laughs> Piftela is my, well, my daily karma, I oh. would say. <laughs> Got it, thank you. Now let me pass the mic over to Darren to get the podcast started. So, so I guess, David, we've already briefly mentioned that there are a couple of SD-WAN products there um, in Cisco's portfolio, but what is it about Cisco SD-WAN powered by Viptela that makes it SD? What, you know, obviously, so software-defined is a big thing. So right, right. Would you like to walk us through that? Right, yeah. So um, right from the right from the get-go, when Viptela was um, founded back in February 2012, actually, a funny thing, it was February 29th, 2012. Okay. So the birthday came once every four years. Um, so um, we were true believers in uh, in the in the in, in the meaning of SDN, and we really tried to bring the principles of the software-defined networking into the wide area network. So we, it was very important for us to stay true to that, right? Um, at that time, there were several kind of uh, adjacent approaches that, were, um, that existed in the market. For example, there was something called hybrid WAN, mm -hmm. um, which, was, uh, which was kind of a subset of what we saw SD-WAN was, right? So um, we really took that holistic approach of separating management plane from control plane, from data plane, which, which are the foundational elements of what comprises the software-defined networking solution. Sure. Um, and that exactly is how our system built, is we have elements that play a role of a management plane, um, a control plane, and the data plane. So, so obviously management plane is, is where the administrator um, makes changes to the system, That's builds right. the system provisions and so on, right? 
That's right, yes. So the management plane is just like the name suggests, it's for managing the entire solution. Sure. And um, one of the benefits of, uh, of SD-WAN, one of the immediate benefits of SD-WAN is really the ease of operations, right? So single pane of glass, sure. an ability to go to a single GUI and control all of the elements of networking from that single GUI through a single tool. And that was the management plane which we call Cisco vManage. Cool. So obviously you talked then about the control plane and the uh, and the data planes. Um, which elements form form up that? Right. So um, the element of control plane we call this vSmart. And by the way, the uh, that V stands for Viptela. Sure. In this particular case, the vManage and vSmart they're also virtual. So V kind of implies okay. uh, <laughs> that virtualization, <laughs> right? But V really stands for Viptela. Uh, whether that's going to be renamed at some point, it's likely that it's going to be Cisco-fied, uh, but for now we just call this Cisco vSmart, I guess, yep. right? Um, so vSmart are the controllers, right? And um, they play um, essential role. Uh, they communicate control plane with uh, between themselves, and they also communicate control plane to the routers, which are the data plane. And both the vManage and the vSmart, they reside in the cloud, uh, which was another kind of foundational element of SD-WAN is that we saw this uh, trend uh, for cloud adoption. And one of the things that uh, our customers were looking for is uh, not just to adopt cloud applications for which we have a comprehensive support for, yeah. um, but also to move the elements of networking, which is the control plane and management plane into the cloud. So with introduction of those elements, which were all virtualized and hosted in the cloud, we kind of ease that transition to the cloud. Sure. So the vSmart and the vManage, they're both hosted in the public cloud, which we provide as a service to our customers and basically abstract it from the customers. Um, now we have a subset of customers um, who are either bound by certain local regulations or just the vertical they operate in does not allow them to um, make use of a public cloud, and these are primarily uh, government entities, yeah. uh, military entities, financial sector customers. Those opt for t making those control and management plane, the vManage and vSmart, and putting them into their own clouds, right. which is their own data centers. So on-prem. On basically yeah. an on-premise. Okay, so, so now that we uh, went from the management plane, and we've also uh, mentioned data plane, Let's just focus a little bit on the control plane, right? Because it's already you know, been said that we have the vSmart communicating you know, down to the VHS, but how does it happen, right? How, how right. do we establish this control plane and all this, you know, all the fader dust behind it? Right, right. Um, so it's, uh, it all starts with uh, zero touch provisioning. So um, you mentioned VHS. Um, today we support a variety of data plane elements. Um, we call them you know, SD-WAN edge routers, WAN edge routers, you can call them SD-WAN appliances, whatever the case may be. <coughs> These are the uh, data plane elements, uh, VEdges, Cisco ISRs, um, 1K, 4K, virtualized uh, CSRs, ISRV on ENCS platform. So we have a variety of things. Um, but they all have something in common, which is they all perform this zero touch provisioning um, when they need to onboard and join and form the fabric. Um, they do that by discovering the cloud elements first, and there's one element that we didn't talk about, it's called the V-bond, 
which is a third uh, type of a controller in the cloud, which really facilitates that discovery of the control plane and management plane. So everybody talks to vBond first, and then to vSmart and vManage. But before they talk to the vBond, they talk to the PNP servers, or a traditional Viptela ZTP servers, depends on the platform. And, and they learn the information about the cloud, they connect to the cloud, and once they connect to the cloud, they authenticate the cloud. They also get authenticated by the cloud. So it's a bi bi-directional sort of mm -hmm. binary relationship from trust standpoint. They all have to trust each other. And over that trusted connection, which we use uh, TLS or DTLS, um, so um, UDP or TCP-based, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. And over those authenticated and secure connections is where we run the control plane protocol, which is the overly management protocol. Sure. So if you think about the effort that it goes to really establish this control plane, it's basically the effort that goes to onboard a router. Sure. Yeah, which I means know. create a configuration template on the vManage, plug in the router, power network, let it boot up, let it reach out, let it discover the controllers, go through PNP zero touch provisioning, authenticate the cloud, establish OMP, and then learn about the rest, and then the network comes to life. Gotcha. So, so now in this case, why do we need OMP? I mean, what, what is the, 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 the magic behind it, right? Because right. If, if, if it wouldn't be bringing any advantage, we wouldn't be just trying to reinvent the wheel, right? So right. What are we getting from it? Where's all the, you know, the fantastic stuff behind yeah. it? <laughs> I'm really kind of curious to see how the magic happens here. Right, uh, right. Yes, so, um, so what OMP is, you can think of OMP as the single control plane protocol that replaces several control plane protocols that existed in the traditional IPsec networks. Because when we set to develop the product, we really said that we need to not just provide a simple management, but we want to change the whole paradigm of how IPsec networks operate. Sure. So several things we've taken away from the traditional IPsec networks to make this you know, more scalable and uh, easier to manage. So one of the things, for example, we took away is we took away an IPsec built-in control plane in a form of Ike protocol. Mm -hmm. So the internet key exchange protocol is no longer there, and the negotiation of the security associations between the routers is now facilitated through the use of an OMP protocol, so there is no direct Ike communication between the two routers. Even though they run IPsec to send encrypted traffic, there is no control communication directly between them. It all goes through OMP. That's one. The second one we were set to replace is that in a traditional networks, we usually had to run some sort of a routing protocol on top of the tunnels in order to advertise sure. the reachability across the network. So that function had also trans, uh, transferred into the OMP. So OMP is not only distributing that security context in a sense of security encryption keys, uh, things like that. It also distributes the reachability information in a sense of um, what are the um, you know, subnets available on both sides. Now, in addition to that, we also have, uh, have done more things. For example, we've taken an approach when we said, let's separate, because now we are operating in a transport independent way. Yeah. So we, we can run over any transport. So let's separate the dependency from IP addressing. Um, so what we did is we created a multiple address families or, uh, within, the, um, within the OMP and different um, you know, update types that go through OMP. One of the update types would be an OMP routing update, which would distribute the subnets. Okay. 
The other one is something we call a T-lock, which stands for a transport locator, which is another address family that distributes just the attachment of that router to the fabric, which are a tunnel termination points and the next hop yes. IP address. It's like a router ID, right? Exactly. It's like a next hop for mm. your routing table had now been put into a separate address family and advertised through OMP. Mm. So just to add something on top, right? We're talking about establishing, uh, establishing a relationship between the DH devices and the control plane elements and everything. And also, we have been mentioning that there's a transport agnostic communication. That, right. mean, that means that actually we need to establish a great difference between what is an underlay and what is an overlay, right? That's right. So how, do you, how do you guys see the difference there? Right. So um, it's a very good question. Um, at the end of the day, networking is moving packets around, yeah. right? And packets, even though you can use you know, 4G LTE technologies, you don't need a wire for it, but you need some form of a medium be that you know a hard wires or be that a cellular medium or a satellite medium whatever the case may be you need something to move the packets around so <clears throat> that medium for us is the underlay right our interaction with an underlay is very minimal um, as opposed to the traditional networks where overlay and underlay are tightly coupled yeah. we nice. decouple them so our relationship for example if you have an mpls circuit <clears throat> and um, you want to establish an SD-WAN um, fabric over the, SD over the MPLS circuit, you don't need to learn any routing information from the service provider because all you need to have is just the default route to send the packets to the service provider and have the service provider deliver those packets just between the edges. To the rest... To the T-locks. Exactly. Yeah. Just between... I just need to know the T-locks. Sure. Yes. Um, once, and that's the sole responsibility for the underlay, is to know where the T-locks are. Okay. Now, everything else is on top of it, which is the overlay, which is done through OMP uh, communication between the routers and the controllers. Okay. So I learn the next hops, great, and then I distribute the routing information with OMP, and that's how sort of the, the, the communication yeah, so comes. Th this will work inside the fabric, right, in your own fabric. What about if you're communicating with any other, uh, well, let's say environments, right? I, I assume, uh, assume that you have then uh, a way to communicate with another uh, environments via OSPF, via BGP, via right. any other protocol, and then, then you what? You bring all the magic into OMP then? Right, exactly. So um, SD-WAN is, is a part of the of a network. <clears throat> it's the core of the network. <clears throat> Apologies, guys. <clears throat> I just lost my voice for a second. <laughs> so um, it's a part of the network. Uh, we obviously need to interface to the traditional networking, which is really the support for the routing protocol is. Mm -hmm. right? So if you are deploying SD-WAN in the data center, you are most likely running some OSPF, BGP routing protocols between that WAN edge and the data center core. Yeah. Right? So we don't want to have this at a static routing because that's not efficient. So we can learn, we can establish this relationship with the LAN routers, learn information from them, and then simply redistribute that information into the OMP. Now everything that comes back from the OMP is also re redistributed back into the routing protocols. So I use the word redistribute, it sounds like it's routing protocols. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we tend not to classify OMP as a routing protocol uh, because it's more than just that. 
but it does do some of the things that you would um, you would see in the traditional routing protocols. So you've, you've said that it does more. What 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 else is distributed over OMP? Right. These are the things that I mentioned, which are the encryption keys. Sure. Um, and there is actually, when you think about OMP, it's um, loosely reminding you of BGP. Sure. In a sense of address families, attributes. So some of the other things that we mentioned, T-locks, we mentioned encryption keys, we mentioned OMP routes, but when you think about a T-lock, a T-lock is more than just an IP address, mm -hmm. right? Because there's a whole set of attributes that could be associated with a T-lock. For example, a T-lock may have something which is called a color. Okay. A T-lock is a connection, so it may go through netting. So T-lock may have a public IP address and a public port, and a private IP address and a private port. I may want to establish certain preferences for T-locks when I distribute that information around so I can use that for traffic steering. So all of those things, there are the attributes of the T-lock route that gets sent around. Similarly, the actual OMP route, which is the site prefixes, they may get assigned into what we call a VPN, which is virtualization, which is the segmentation bucket. Yeah. So when I distribute them, I want to know what, which VPN ID do they belong to. I may want to assign preferences to them, not just to T-Locks. Sure. So there's actually a pretty significant set of attributes that are embedded within those updates. And some of those are just kind of magically happening. Like, for example, net traversals, yeah. um, you know, private public IPs and ports. You don't have to worry about that. It's just going to help the net traversal. It's just going to work. Uh, some others may be more visible, uh, for example, VPN membership, right? So the administrator would actually kind of care to know which, which VPN, VPN yeah. <laughs> right, which is like a Cisco router, which VRF table yes. sure, sure. Um, you're in, right? So that's cool. Okay. I mean, the other, the other thing we've sort of talked about before is that things like the uh, policies, the application policies and those type of things, I guess, are, are getting distributed out to, to the edges. I guess that's over OMP too, right? Um, that's right. We have, um, actually we have more than one type of policy. Okay. <laughs> Depends yeah. on what you're trying to do. Yeah, you have the control policy and the data policy. And right. the Apple routing policy. There you go. You have three of them. So these are the three main ones. There's more, but these are the three most, uh, most essential ones. Um, so it's true. Um, if you think about these policies, they all start their life on the vManage by the administrator creating them. They make their way into the vSmart because they need to be distributed out. Now, whether they get distributed depends on the type of policy. Oh, okay. If this is a data policy, an application of a routing policy, these policies operate on the actual data packets. And since vSmarts never see data packets, they're just a control plane, they, they need, need to, to pass it on. The exactly. Right, okay. And OMP <clears throat> is the facility to push them on. So now you can see that OMP it's not just a routing just protocol, and it's not just for security, sure. it's also for policy distribution. Yeah, some the, kind of BGP on steroids with some... Exactly. Yeah, some secret sauce there, right? Exactly. Yeah, but then let's uh, take a, a, another step forth, right? Without, without going into details about control policy and application aware policy and all that. Uh, right now, then we are talking about the fabric as an element of your network, right? As a part of your network, that plays in the network. So we, we could be talking that this is your own cloud. This is your private cloud. Right. So then how do we go a little bit further and, and, and see how you connect with other cloud? How do you, how do you expand this, 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 this inner cloud and, and well, you, you get to reach to other right. well, places? Right, right, <laughs> right, right, yes. So um, 
So we call this um, <coughs> functionality a cloud on-ramp, um, if that's what you meant. I'm, I'm oh, not yeah, sure yeah. if that's where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. let's just follow the path. <laughs> okay, so um, the ability to, um, there's multiple types of clouds out there. Um, there is a there's a IS cloud, which is the infrastructure as a service cloud, and the two most dominant players in that uh, in that space are the uh, Microsoft Azure and AWS. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the SaaS clouds, which is Office 365 is by far the most dominant player. But there are others: uh, Salesforce, uh, Dropbox, Google Apps, things like that. So, <clears throat> as an SD-WAN, we are trying to accommodate customers. You know going to those clouds. Sure. Now the clouds operate differently. Uh, if I look at uh, SaaS, which is Office 365, I cannot call up Microsoft and say, can I please install a router, uh, even a virtual router in your environment. So I can only operate from outside of Office 365, from outside of the Azure instances, um, because I have no way to put anything no into, inside. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for that, our approach is to monitor the availability and the performance of Office 365. So we actually, each one of the routers that um, is participating in the setup will start initiating HTTPS probes towards the Office 365. Okay. Synthetic probes. Synthetic right, probes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Okay. And then based on the, we then we compute performance of the Office 365 and then we steer traffic. And that goes over one or more DIA circuits. Okay. So direct internet access yeah. plays a very big role in there. We can also use something which is called the gateway sites where we can reroute if DIAs go so bad. I was just gonna say if you had a central breakout as right. well, you could use exactly. that as a backup. Right. Exactly. Okay. So that logic is all embedded within the cloud on-ramp for SaaS, right? It's basically discover the service, discover the performance of the service, route the traffic accordingly. Now, obviously I've very much abstracted that. There's things that go in, like how you do DNS resolution, you have to resolve DNS, so we intercept DNS queries from the client, we redirect them, so there's some more secret sauce inside. Um, I'm sorry, I was just thinking then about integration with Umbrella and things like that. Right. Course, which, which would yeah, there's, a, there's, an there's integration yeah. in Umbrella and, and you can then, well, play with all the, the magic about the, the DNS and reputation right. services and all this, yes. right? Yeah, you can actually point your DNS server instead of, let's say, Google 8888. You can mm -hmm. say, my DNS servers for the purpose of cloud on-ramp for SaaS operation is actually umbrella servers, right? And then it will go to umbrella for resolution. So you get like an added security on top of the efficient routing towards, uh, towards Office 365. Fantastic. Um, and the second side of it is the cloud on-ramp for infrastructure as a service, right? And those are AWS and Microsoft Azure. Right? In those cases, it's different because these are compute environments and as a compute environment, I can actually instantiate something in there. So what we have developed in vManage is basically it's a wizard that you would go into the vManage GUI and you would navigate to configuration, cloud on-ramp, and it would let you select which cloud you want to onboard. Uh -huh. And then you provide credentials and vManage basically asks you a couple of questions in regard to um, which region you would like to uh, instantiate that in, what are the devices you want to put in there, and then we, uh, you go take a break, and vManage <laughs> goes to work, <laughs> and vManage goes to work. So what it does, it basically makes this massive API calls yeah. to these cloud providers, and what it instantiates, it instantiates the presence of your SD-WAN fabric inside the cloud, and we call this a gateway VPC, if it's AWS, okay or a gateway VNet if it's Microsoft Azure. Sure. Uh -huh. Now as part of this 
sort of a process where the system asks you for input, you also specify what are the host VPCs and host VNets that you want to link to. So once that gateway entity got instantiated uh, and we pull two routers out of the marketplace to populate inside this VPC VNet, yeah. so you have sort of SD-WAN in there. Yeah. Obviously, we use ZTP to onboard <laughs> them, right? So you don't have to sure, do anything. Sure. And then we link through standard-based IPsec, because this is no longer SD-WAN connection. Yeah. We, through standard IC-based uh, IPsec into the host VPCs and VNets, and because it's a standard based, we now have to play by the standard rules. So we run Ike, yep. we run routing protocol on it, in our case, PGP, and we'll learn those host VPC and VNet prefixes into the gateway WAN edge routers. Okay. In which case we do what we mentioned before is redistribution. Into OMP. Into OMP, yeah. and the end result is now you have a user who sits in one of the SD-WAN enabled branches and wants to consume a resource in AWS, they have a direct path across the SD-WAN fabric from their branch into the gateway VPC, and from there, they write the connection, the IPC connection, into the host. So you yeah, that's up. excellent, because in, you know, in, in just a couple of clicks, and of course, going for coffee and coming back, and you, know, you let the guy do all the heavy lifting, you have all your presence on the cloud, and bam, everything is just ritual. I mean, you're, you're not just getting a, a, a the, the usual resource in a data center, and then depending on you know, the specific, sometimes, uh, how does it, conditions, right? Sometimes right. it's like, well, if I go this way to the DC, then I need to do it through this gateway, or I need to go through these other ways. And now it's just, well, you're just offloading all the complexity to the provider, because right. you simply point to the cloud, and then, well, all the heavy lifting is not on you. You're, right. well, this is my IP, these are my credentials, done. I have nothing to do here. Right. You have a direct path to cloud. And because it's an SD-WAN connection, you get the benefit of all the SD-WAN stuff right there to the cloud. Yeah. So what I could do, for example, if I had multiple types of connections going into the cloud. So I was just going to ask about Express route or exactly. Connect or whatever. Right. Right? So, so for us, the Express route or Direct Connect become an underlay. Yeah, of course. They're, they're just a transport. Exactly. We just ride on top. Right. So you have path diversity where you can have more, cap more capacity, and then we can also do application routing and choose which way to go. So you get that out of the box with SD-WAN. Yeah, literally just the ball keeps rolling and rolling. Yeah. And you, I mean, once you establish all the connection, right. then all the features are available for you, and exactly. well, just play with it, right? You can do security, right? I can yeah. say, this is my HR VPC, and this is my finance VPC, and the HR user can only talk to HR VPC and not to the finance user. Again, yeah, just like you said. Yeah, but in an SD-WAN, you already have the segmentation. Right. So you can just play along with all the segmentation, and then, well, you can get just granular. This is the, the good part. The beauty is that, yeah, all through one, one admin console, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly. excellent. And when you then orchestrate that with SDA or ACI right. or whatever else, you've got that same policy, whether you're a cloud, local... Uh, yeah, talking about the single pane of glass, because this is something we haven't touched, but it would be nice to at least have a glimpse, is what about the, the analytics? In which way are we just getting the info? from all the, 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 the edge devices and what do we do with it, right? Right, so, <clears throat> so it's a good, good point. So <laughs> vAnalytics is, is an additional product. Um, you don't have to have vAnalytics. Um, everything you need from SD-WAN standpoint, you get from vManage. Um, it's a management tool, it's a statistics tool, it gives you everything you need. Uh, what it doesn't give you, it performs some degree of 
analysis, for example, when um, events start flowing from the routers and uh, vManage is a, you know, call it a collector, sort of speak, for the events. Yeah. So when the events start flowing from the routers, we do perform an event correlation to see if we want to create an alarm out of it. So we do perform some degree of analysis on the data, but it's limited because that's not the role of vManage. vManage is an operations tool. Yeah. It's a configuration tool, sure. it's a visibility tool. It's not a data crunching and data analysis tool, <laughs> right? So what we've done, we separated that function out into a separate element, which we called vAnalytics, right? And what it does, it works on client server. So the client is vManage, and the server is the vAnalytics platform. It's not more than just one VM, right? It's mm -hmm. cluster. Right? Yeah, well, platform sounds cute, but it's uh, VM. Yeah, yeah it, well, it's a VM, <laughs> it's, it's actually use S3 services for storage, mm -hmm. so it, it's a little bit kind of more beefy because it needs to perform some analysis and store the data, things like that. So the data gets exported uh, from vManage periodically into the vAnalytics, and vAnalytics performs further analysis on it, so I can run some queries. Uh, for example, um, one of the things we can do is you can do bandwidth forecasting. So you can say, because I have the, um, the visibility data coming from the routers, I know the utilization, I know which applications are running, can I not project into yeah. the future and say, what is the utilization going to be for either the circuit or for an application running over the circuit? Well, once you get a baseline, then you can just forecast in case of a rainy day. Right, <laughs> exactly. So it helps with capacity planning. Yeah. Well, right. I, I really like the fact that that you have, you have been decoupling in all the discussion and of course in the development of the product is that vManage has a specific functions and we are just not putting it to do everything. If you need the specific things, okay, we can make vManage do something else or at least connect with something else. We are not going to do it here. And right. that's awesome because usually you have, well, you have solutions that are having everything on top and then, well, you end up in a case where everything is underperforming because you are just dumping everything on the same box and it's just choking. Exactly. It's just awesome to have in specific functions. This is what you can do. You want something more? Okay, you'll get the service, but don't choke it. Yeah, I, I think that, that was just the beauty of SDN <laughs> yeah. going yes. back everything you know, is 10 decoupled. years ago. That's the original principles, right? It's, right. It's yeah. it's, it allows us to, and uh, we didn't talk about scale, but we have deployments that are 10 sites and we have deployments that are approaching 10,000 sites yeah, it wasn't over the same system. In a right? session, if I remember well, in a breakout session in, in here, I had here in Cisco Live, I was thinking, you know, it was like in one vManage, you can have around, four, isn't 4,000 VAs? 2,000. Was it 2,000? Unless you can have a couple of them, I guess. Yes, you can have, so each uh, vManage server, VM, um, can support 2,000 uh, nodes or 2,000 routers, and you can cluster vManage. Um, today we have uh, kind of experimented up to six. Um, there is nothing that would prevent us from going higher. It's 2,000 per box. Yes. Which means that, imagine, imagine just having one box for 2,000 routers. Just, I mean, because yeah. this, is not, this is not an easy just deployment. That, that alone, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can see the benefit. So I need just to go and configure all the 2,000 boxes one per one. Right. This, is, this is another thing that maybe we haven't got that deep into it, right? You're having the 2,000 boxes. Well, well, you can put 100, it doesn't matter. It's more than one and more than 10. <laughs> and we just created in vManage uh, the template. Right. Um, we literally, I mean, this is, this is inaccurate, but it's possible. You can just literally have one template and then just apply it to all of them and bam, all the boxes are just ready to be managed by, well, be managed 
Well, be you managed. know, the, you know the word, be, yeah. Be managed. Be managed. Yeah, <laughs> through the same template. So uh, there is an ease. Uh, there's an ease of management, and as we already discussed, there's an ease of provisioning. There's an ease of, of even operation routing, and ease of many things. So, uh, right. you know, what I do like is having all this everything done from one box. We have not been talking about these or the other box. We know B manages for this. We have another couple of boxes that are helping us to get everything running, which are the Bismar and the B one. Right. But you just do all the ruling over the B manage, and well, it's done, dude. Right, yeah, so um, it's, it's, it's true that you could potentially have one configuration template. In reality, uh, what we see customers do, um, they classify their sites, mm -hmm. and they're saying, I have a small site, I have a medium-sized site, I have a campus, I have this data center, and then they create the configuration templates to reflect that type of topology. Mm -hmm. um, now, in the very recent release of the code um, that we had back in December, which we call 18.4, we have actually released something which we call a network designer. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this, but if you haven't, no. check I'm it out. And just operating an 18.3. So we, we haven't got to 18.4 yeah. because it's too new. Right. And you know, people <laughs> is just all the time, like, okay, let's wait a later and everything. But I would like to play with this. Yes, yeah, so if, when you get to 18.4, um, you can go into the configuration, and under the configuration, you will see a new selection called the network designer. And what a network designer is, it's targeted today for the simpler customers that are looking to create this um, simpler configurations because they may have lots of sites, yeah. but they don't need any of the complexity. Yes, all they want is just a site with a router, a one WAN interface or two WAN interfaces, a LAN interface, and maybe some yeah. VPN segments. Yeah. And not so, done. Right, so in the past, um, it required you to create configuration templates. So for those really simple deployments, what we're doing is we have this tool now, which is really great because it's all graphical, and it takes you through a configuration wizard and just draws the map for you. It literally looks like a visual map. Oh, cool. That's awesome. You know, yes. all, the, all the benefits from Visio without the misery of clicking there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> excellent. You want to connect the lines. <laughs> that, that's really awesome. Right. So, so we are very keen on um, keep on improving the operational experience. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, I admit it, there are some things that were not as simple as they could have been. Yeah. I think that's, the, that's always the problem, right? Is that, that, that a tool, that a product that's sophisticated and, and potentially complex because there's lots of stuff going on there. Right often exposes too much in a, in a GUI or whatever from an operational point of view. I know. View. So, it's, so it's really good to hear. Yeah, this is the idea of the abstraction. Mm -hmm. that's, that's this is ease of complexity, yeah, yeah, complexity yeah. by means of abstraction. I, I guess you, um, you've got the opportunity there as well to, to program vManage, right? So of course, yes. Um, one other thing that we are true believers in is programmability, right? So every single thing that exists on vManage is also exposed through the REST APIs. In fact, the GUI of vManage is built upon those REST APIs. So we have some customers who have an appetite for DevOps and some scripting, and they want to create some sequences that we haven't accommodated within vManage. And MSPs, for example, are big consumers of that because they want to tie it into their own systems and make this more programmatic. So Everything that you can click on in a GUI, you can do an HTTP call and invoke it. Perfect. Yeah, well, all the operations that you are doing in the GUI are just in the background API calls anyway. Absolutely. Perfect. There you go. So everything is just natively yeah. API and, well. No exceptions. If you can code it, you can make it, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. That's pretty cool. Yeah.
Well, that's a nice message to close up, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could go on for hours we could. talking about this stuff. And, uh, yeah, we are getting the, the cut it sign already. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> it's been fantastic. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, guys, for having me. Yeah, so this has been another great Cisco Champion Radio episode. I want to thank you, David Klebanoff, for sharing your insight, and uh, to David Penelos and Darren for hosting today's session. Uh, as always, thank you to everyone for joining and participating in Cisco Champion Radio. Look for this episode and other episodes on iTunes and at cisco.com slash go slash CCR. Until next time.